thrilled you are here with us. 100 Creatives represents a collective of individuals across creative and educational sectors that seek to learn from one another and share insights, ideas, and start conversation. We gather together at our virtual roundtable to explore the intersection of creativity and how it relates to our individual selves and also to community impact. I am your host, Angela Popowell, and I am the CEO of 100 Cameras, a nonprofit organization that equips youth worldwide with tools to process and tell their stories through photography. Each podcast episode hosts a group of voices, from members of our 100 Cameras Board of Creatives to program educators to youth participants from programs all across the world, even to special guest appearances from our brand partners and friends who share in the commitment that creativity and self-expression should be available to all. Jeremy Dennis is a contemporary fine art photographer and a tribal member of the Shinnecock Indian Nation in Southampton, New York. In his work, he explores indigenous identity, culture, and assimilation. Jesse Adler is an American documentary filmmaker driven by a desire to better understand the forces that determine our individual identities, collective experiences, and abilities to connect to one another. Her video advocacy work has led her to collaborations with communities through North America, the Amazon region, and the Mekong region. Jeremy and Jesse have led two 100 cameras programs together, one self-titled as Native Lens by the students themselves, and the second program in partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of Shinnecock Nation. Diashua Sylvester is an enrolled member of the Shinnecock Indian Nation and the unit director and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of the Shinnecock Nation an organization that offers programming that gives alternatives to Shinnecock youth and contributes to their overall well-being through fun, healthy, and culturally relevant activities. Joshua leads the organization with all the love she has for her tribe and is proud to say that she's played a huge part in making sure Shinnecock children have a safe place to gather, amazing and unique opportunities, access to cultural education, and the chance to learn about the difficult yet important topics that affect their community. Livia Billings is a photographer, photography teacher, and the COO of 100 Cameras. She has helped build the organization to become a model that supports tens of thousands of youth worldwide and has helped lead partnerships with Apple, Fujifilm, Adobe, Framebridge, and more. Thank you all for being with us today. We're so excited to connect and hear all about what you're up to and the work that you're focused on. And of course, the 100 cameras programs that you've led and been involved with in your local communities. Diashua, what's going on in your world today? Uh, I'm trying my best to relax. I have a little bit of downtime from a, a really busy weekend. It's been really, really hectic, but really, really great. A lot of amazing, powerful things happened over the weekend with our youth, and I'm excited to share that with other people and to to keep those kind of things going in our community. Please share with us what happened this weekend. What are your youth up to? Uh, we went up to another tribal nation. Uh, we went up to Onondaga. That's upstate New York. That's about a six-hour drive from here. So we left late Friday night. Uh, I think we got on the road. Uh, we're supposed to get on the road about 12, but we left <laughs> about one o'clock. Uh, we drove through the night and we got up there about seven o'clock in the morning. There's about six youth and six adults. And we drove up in our Shinnecock Youth Clubhouse van and we visited their territory and we got to meet their clan mothers and Onondaga youth. And we got to see their longhouse where they have their ceremonies. They have a stream up there that's not far from their longhouse. And we were able to offer prayers early in the morning and just kind of set the mood for the day and just 
see how other tribal people live. We don't have enough of those exchanges in the Native American community. We definitely need to do it more, especially the New York State tribes. Oftentimes it feels like we're a little bit disconnected from the other tribal nations in New York State because we're so far down. Everybody else is way up here and we're down there on Long Island, so we're secluded and we don't get to see them as much. And I think that this is the beginning of something that's going to be really great and it's going to continue on for many generations. And it was just so awesome just to be able to connect with other Native people. And they were so hospitable and so welcoming. And, you know, it just felt like home. So it was just amazing for our kids to be able to experience that. And just to see how, even though we're six hours away and, and we do have different tribal practices that were still very similar and we go through some of the same things today in today's world. You would think that because we're so far away, that we're so different, but we're not. They have the same struggles as we do and the same obstacles that they have to overcome as we do. And we can connect on that level, but we can also make a, a connection uh, between the past because our communities used to trade with each other. Long Island was a place of welcome and that shell is what really kind of kept us going. We, we use that as jewelry, we use that as uh, trade. It was also used as currency eventually, but we were the premier wampum makers. So most of those wampum beads that you'll see on those ancient wampum belts came from Shinnecock. So for us to have our ancestors to have made those wampum beads or the, those wampum belts themselves and us to have traded them with the, the other nations up state because they hold those wampum belts in high regards you know there was an ancient connection and now we're making a present day connection and that was just a beautiful thing that we were able to experience when we got home i was able to get some rest and then i had to get up <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning and get ready to get back on the road with the youth to go to amagansett for a private surfing lesson with uh, the organization native like water and a couple of people from San Diego that came out here from a tribal nation to visit and experience our territory and our people. And it was just so amazing because as that was, as our experience was going on up in Onondaga, we had some really amazing things going on back at home in our territory. So, so the fact that they were able to, to experience those things and 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 really <laughs> hello to the little <laughs> one yes sorry sorry i have my son no we there can now. include him and they had a tremendous time and then we met up for the surfing lesson and we just had a really great ex exchange there's something powerful that happens when and it's it was it's been stated by them and many other people but when West Coast meets East Coast. There's some sort of connection because of the connection of the waterways. So there was something powerful that happened. Like actually, when we first got there, we saw a whale. What a coincidence, right? Like it's just such a, a special connection that we had with each other that our ancestors were there with us. I, I took that as when that when we saw that whale, our ancestors were there with us, smiling down on us, letting us know that we're doing the right thing and we're on the right path. So we had that experience and we shared. Well, wonderful words and gifts were exchanged and it was just a beautiful thing and uh, just to see the smile on the face, love the surfing experience was just amazing uh-oh Liam has a lot to say about this whale sighting <laughs> right, right. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of that there's so much richness in 
everything you've said. And I know Angela and I probably have a million qu- more questions <laughs> just from hearing all of that. For anyone who who doesn't already know about the Shinnecock tribal nation, is there anything that Joshua, you or Jeremy, you would like to share just from a foundational level? What is it that you want people to know or what would you like people to know about the youth that you got to work with in the 100 Cameras program at Shinnecock? Jeremy, I want to hear about Ma's house and everything you're building. So yeah, tell us. Oh, sure. To add to Diashwood's overview of Shinnecock, we've been here on our ancestral territory for um, thousands and thousands of years. We're so proud of that fact. And we're really all related one way or another. So we have this re- really strong bond and really strong community that we're all hoping to uh, lift each other up and rise above and just be uplifting in that way. And so I really was excited about sharing my knowledge with photography along with the uh, Shinikaki to help them tell their own story and just be able to share that opportunity to enjoy the arts and enjoy creativity and specifically photography. And how did you get your start with photography and visual art making? Well, my mom, uh, Denise Silva Dennis, is a visual artist and painter, and she became a um, art teacher eventually as her career. She's retired now. And so I think that when you have artists in the family or artists that come before you, that's always really motivating. But I started out with painting and drawing and printmaking and sculpture. And then I think photography, I just out of luck or out of chance, I got a a 35 millimeter camera from my relative Herbert Randall, who's an accomplished photographer in his own right. And so I think that through the mentorship and through encouragement, I just kept down that path of photography. So wonderful when mentors and those who've come before us have the availability and wisdom to pass along such a gift like a camera or a tool or just time and conversation and that type of togetherness that breeds creativity and really draws out the creativity in young people and even as an adult we're all developing our creative skills. Jesse I know that your visual arts background is primarily as a filmmaker and I'd love to just hear about your background in film and the types of films that you make. Please tell us about Boxers of Rule, which is an incredible film you made, and how you originally got connected with Jeremy and Yashua and the Shinnecock Nation specifically. So I studied photography in college a long time ago and then started working in a photo studio uh, called Milk Studios and kind of went down a fashion photography route for a little bit because that's where the work was. Um, and I eventually found uh, an organization called Earth Rights International and they were looking for a human rights storyteller. So I joined their team based in their Mekong office. So I was making photos and videos that supported legal and, and advocacy campaigns with communities who are fighting large-scale infrastructure projects like dams and mines and things like this. And so I fell in love with filmmaking then. It just felt like I was able to spend more time with people that I was photographing or, or, or filming. And it felt like more of a conversation and, and a collaborative effort to create, to share their story. And so after that, I went to grad school and I realized that I didn't know how to put a scene together properly. And I went to the School of Visual Arts in New York City. They have a wonderful MFA program in social documentary filmmaking. And my first year, I knew I wanted to continue sharing stories 
uh, about young Indigenous women, especially, and just sharing their perspectives and um, trying to highlight some of their experiences. Having myself been so ignorant to Indigenous people in our own country. And so that's how the Boxers of Rule came about. It's a story of a young Lakota woman who starts a girls boxing team on her reservation in South Dakota. She's a part of the Lower Brule Sioux Tribe, and, and they've had rising youth suicide rates over the past decade or so, like many tribes have had. And so in making that film, it was shared in New York City classrooms through the Tribeca Film Institute's educational program. I was visiting classrooms in New York City and brought my friend Shanae Bullock, who is an enrolled member of the Shinnecock Tribe, along with me. And she was uh, facilitating conversations about the film and about the experiences of the girls in the film uh, with the kids in the classrooms after viewing. And most of the kids, having grown up in New York City and often in, in marginalized communities and communities with little access to resources, felt like they could really relate to the girls in the film's experience. Um, but at the same time, they had no awareness, really, that, that Native American tribes still exist and that one exists 80 miles from their own classroom. So... That, that really kind of motivated me to work with the Shinnecock tribe in a few different capacities. And, and one of it being, you know, to help the youth share their own story so that there could be greater understanding of what their experience is. Jesse, if you want to start with your answer, feel free. And then Je um, Jeremy and Joshua definitely want to hear your perspectives too. I'm curious to hear from all three of you, what have you observed when you've watched young people start to have an outlet to express themselves, whether that be through photography or through another creative expression or just through conversation, what have you observed? What's the impact of having a tool to with which to express oneself? Yeah, I think the two main things that I've noticed is that storytelling just comes so naturally to youth with YouTube and constant visual input. They're just it seems like they're telling stories very easily and they understand what makes a compelling story and kind of how to frame things. But I think, especially working with indigenous youth, their story is coming at them from many different angles, from within the tribe and then from non-native media, um, telling a very different story and often very inaccurate story. And I think there is a difficult process when we have one understanding of our narrative and suddenly there's a shift and I, I think I saw it in the 100 Cameras workshop and just certain parts of the lessons when we ask more difficult questions about their role in the community and just questions that they hadn't really been asked about before. So to see that process of them kind of reframing is quite interesting. And I think I saw it a little bit with Boxers of Rule also is just especially the main protagonist, Shayona, just really had been told her whole life she was not deserving, not worthy. She had in her mind that she was not a good human being, not a good role model. And in creating the boxing team that she created, she was really, you know, shifting her identity. And then seeing that on screen and seeing the way audiences were responding to her, I think also solidified the fact that she could be this person that she aspired to. But it was not an easy shift. I think it's a painful shift to change the narrative, regardless of what direction it's going in. 
I think that there's been a loss of identity over the years. We had to assimilate generations ago, and that assimilation has caused a lot of trauma in our communities. And I feel that that trickle down has caused us to lose interest in our culture and has caused the opposite effect of what our ancestors had originally intended for us which was to practice our culture and thrive as indigenous people and be proud of who we are and to not succumb to the enemy, which is drugs and alcohol. And I think that's in our communities today, it's hard to stay away from the negative aspects that come along with being indigenous because there's so many obstacles and hurdles that were placed in our way that there's a lot of sadness and, and hurt and pain that we've uh, experienced over generations. But I do feel that with awareness comes change. So I feel like the generation that we're living in now, the time that we're living in now, has caused us to become aware of what's wrong in our communities and has caused us to want to change those things and heal from the generational trauma and the alcohol and drug abuse and the mental illness and all of those things that greatly damage our communities. So when you give youth a safe space, and when I say safe space, I don't necessarily mean a physical space, but someone to talk to on an individual level is a, a safe space. It causes them to feel more comfortable and for them to let their guard down and to be who they are and to listen. And as opposed to just hearing what people are saying, you're listening to what someone is saying to you that knows and that has experienced different things in their lifetime so that you can absorb what they're saying and learn from their mistakes and learn what needs to be done, but also learn whatever history that they have within them that needs to be passed down to future generations. So when our youth are comfortable and they feel like they can trust and they can learn from someone or an experience, that's when the change occurs. I've witnessed it myself. This uh, Shinnecock Youth Clubhouse that I have been the coordinator for since November of 2020 has made an impact on my community. And it makes me so proud to say that something that I've worked on and that I put my whole heart and energy into is changing the way we look at things in our community and it's bringing positivity in our community and it's giving our youth opportunities that they ha didn't have prior to this program being in existence. Our kids are now able to connect with one another. They do have a physical space that they, they can gather at, socialize, get to know each other, understand how we're related and how we need to love and take care of each other. But also, it gives them opportunity to experience things that they never had the opportunity to experience, such as surfing or traveling to different indigenous communities or going on uh, different trips to powwows and experiencing our culture in, in outside of Shinnecock, but also learning our history from our elders, connecting with them, having elders' days and family fun days to exchange our laughter and our thoughts and our feelings, just to have different speakers come in 
and and talk to them about the importance of self-care and learning about who you are as a Shinnecock person, Shinnecock history and Native teachings and how uh, everything is about balance and, and understanding and respect and humility and, and kindness is just a, a beautiful thing that I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to share with our youth. Learning about the different plants and our different areas of, the ter- of our territory where things were done historically, whether it's clamming or knowing that there was cranberry bogs here at one point and just being able to experience things on a, a level of appreciation for what we still have today. I think that's just a beautiful thing, just opening their eyes to see, hey, you can just walk outside and see the beauty of of this land that we live on and just have an appreciation that our ancestors did everything they could to make sure that we were still here today. Always take pride in knowing that you're Shinnecock and that's the foundation of who you are and just to embrace it and to learn from all the, the teachings that we have as Indigenous people. So I just think that's a powerful thing. And I've seen the change in a lot of our youth. They've opened up. We have some that are more quiet or reserved. And just to see those ones smile and really see the impact and hear the impact, you know, when they talk to their parents about what they've experienced and just to say that I've really had a great time and I really liked what we did at the Shinnecock Youth Club or I've never done that before and it's just been so impactful to my life and I want to do more. So just giving them opportunities to do something other than the norm of the negative behavior is what is going to change this community and I truly believe that. Uplifting the next generation of leaders across the globe to process and tell their stories and to show the world how to see through their unique lens. That's what it's all about here at 100 Cameras. Join the Lens of Hope community today to make more programs possible and receive special impact updates all year long. Learn more at 100cameras.org backslash donate. Wow, such an incredible resource, community asset that has been created there. How was the clubhouse created? Who created it? When was it founded? It just seems like such a, based on everything you're saying, such a sort of cornerstone for the youth that you live and work and share community with. I just want to say that your words are powerful. The way in which you speak and what you say is powerful and manifestation is real. So I just want to share this um, with you guys. It was about two months before I got this position as the coordinator for the Shinnecock Clubhouse. I was out to dinner with a friend. We were sitting at a restaurant with our, our kids. And I guess the discussion came up on as to you know what we wanted to do with our lives. And one of the things that I said was, you know what? I said, I really want to help our youth. You know, I feel like they need like a program that will help benefit them and 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 keep them out of trouble and show them the way and and the foundation of that program will be our culture because our culture is everywhere and i said i don't know how i'm gonna do it but one day i'm gonna do it i I said i don't know there's so much that i want to just be able to share with our youth whether it's etiquette classes or meditation classes yoga the list goes on and on but i want to be able to share those things with our youth because now's the time to make it happen I just don't know how, but I'm speaking it into existence. I literally said that I'm going to make it happen. And lo and behold, literally two months later, I had a situation with my previous job and I had to get out of that 
position that I was in, you know, I had to speak to HR and I said, I, I really need to, to, to move on. And uh, they said, okay, we don't have anything right now, but we'll let you know if we have any positions available in the tribe. Because it's always important for me to give back to my community. And also there was a pandemic going on and I didn't want to work in the outside community. After uh, maybe a few weeks after I had said that to HR, they said, hey, you know what? We have this position that we think is going to be perfect for you. And I said, okay, what is it? Send me the job description. And I read the job description and I'm like, wow, this is insane. This is exactly what I wanted to do. I accept. Please, like, when can I begin? And two days later, they were like, okay, we're ready for you. You can begin. I took it and I ran with it. I created a, com a curriculum for the program and I just had to sit, sit down and think about, okay, how do I implement this into, into the community? How do I introduce this to my community and make it successful? And I just sat down and I started brainstorming and I was like, you know what? I have to, you know, develop a curriculum and I'm going to send that curriculum out to everybody that I think can help with this program. And, you know, I just started doing that and everybody was super um, receptive to it and they were on board immediately. I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. And I said, okay, great. So lo and behold, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I said, okay, we'll make do with what we have. We'll make everything 100% virtual. We have Zoom and that's how we're going to do it. And that's how it was done. But I have, I'm proud to say that I have secured some more funding to last us through the next year. So this is going to continue on. Once I get through this year, I'm going to secure some more funding uh, through grants and we're going to be in this for the long haul. This is, this is going to be around for, for generations to come. I can feel it. I'm just so happy with how things turned out. The way you speak about it makes me feel like it has been a foundational part of the community for decades already. The word that keeps coming to mind is cornerstone. So congratulations on, on everything that's been built already. And we're celebrating the future with you already. We're just happy to happy and honored to be able to partner alongside amazing leaders and educators and, and community leaders like you who are in it day in and day out doing this type of work. I'm just sitting with the, your words carry weight and how you manifested that. That's just, it's incredibly gripping and powerful and something I invite us all to sit with, not only in what we want to create in the world, but in evaluating what we are contributing in the world because we're, we're all contributing something. That's just, that's incredibly strong and wise and I don't even have enough adjectives for it, but thank you. Thank you. And then thank you for sharing such a powerful example of how you've lived that. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to to share with you guys. Thank you. I mean, yeah, <laughs> lots of thank yous. <laughs> I wanted to ask one or two more questions before we start to close our conversation for today, one of many. But there was mentioned earlier, Jeremy, you may have been the one who mentioned this idea of voice and how within the community, maybe it was you, Jeremy, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just this concept of a voice having been lost, how can creativity and storytelling start to or continue to unlock that, open that, amplify that, celebrate that? And then what can people listening to this conversation, how can they contribute to uplifting that storytelling within the community and beyond? I think, yeah, the Ashford should just open up a Radio station is so inspiring and so awesome to yes, get all the projects. I, I would just say to try to answer the question, I think it's so important for Indigenous youth to 
just build up the practice and the routine of sharing their own stories and their own representation and questioning um, outside images put onto us. And I think what's so special is that I think the students who participated in the workshop don't realize how they're creating an archive for the future and documenting such important images. And I think that when you're an artist or when you're doing something creative, you think it has to be like the most amazing thing. I think no matter what they create and what they come up with is uh, really important in such a basic way. And so from there, I think they'll just keep becoming more and more creative and more and more uh, incredible as they continue with their uh, photo practice. Jeremy, you're such a talented photographer and just visual artist in general. How did you evolve that within yourself and, and find that voice and that expression over the years? I always tell Indigenous viewers or Native youth who I present to that you really don't have to have Native American imagery in your work or you don't have to do traditional work to be an artist. But I uh, went down that route just because it's so clear that we've been uh, stereotyped and marginalized and made invisible that I think there's just so many different conversations that were abruptly stopped or forced to end about Native people from our own perspective. And so I just really love to celebrate that. And it also just comes from our Shinnecock Labor Day weekend powwow, which is so awesome. It has so much meaning and such a special time in the year. So I just personally love to photograph that event and try to figure out how I continue that celebration throughout the rest of the year. And so I manifest that or interpret that as just creating work around that, inspired by it, documenting portraits of Shinnecock people, no matter what's going on, if it's like a news story or just a nice portrait at home or outside on the territory. And so I, I just really love the fact that you can kind of do whatever you want as a Native artist and it's still art, still Native art, and it's uh, really awesome. Oh, it's so rich and we just want to do all we can and encourage our listeners and community to do all that they can to honor and uplift the stories of not only the youth who are in the program, um, the two programs that you run, but in the community in general. How can people support and get involved and amplify the work that you're all doing? I wonder if Jeremy could also mention everything that's happening at Ma's House and ways that people could get involved with that as well. Uh, oh, sure. Well, Ma's House is a communal art space, pretty brand new on the Shinnecock Reservation. But it's taking this old house that was in the family lineage since the 1960s. And since the uh, past year, since uh, around June 2020, we've been working to restore the space to be uh, a communal art space featuring an informal gallery, an artist residency for artists of color. And it'll be my home and studio. And once it's um, kind of <laughs> to an acceptable state where the floors don't have holes, there's no cobwebs and there's paint on the walls, we're going to try to do um, more of these type of uh, photo programs some history workshops and just more ways to bring together the community. And I think that uh, Diash was just doing such a, a wonderful job in that regard for Shinnecock youth. And I think issues of creativity, sometimes it's loneliness, sometimes it's not feeling connected to your own people or your own community. We just need these type of programs to allow ourselves to go back to that tradition of community and being together and just being <laughs> kind of like a single unit or a single entity, I feel like. To answer the uh, other part of the question, I think maybe Diashra, you can speak to how the public can help out the Shinnecock Youth Clubhouse. I feel like the best way to help us out is to donate. 
Right now, we don't have our own 501c3, but uh, we're in the process of actually changing over to a boys and girls club. So we will have our own 501c3 very soon. But anytime anybody wants to send a check, uh, write it out to the Shinnecock Clubhouse and send it to P.O. Box 5006, Southampton, New York, 11969. That's the best way to reach us. Thank you. That's perfect. And we will also include notes in the description of this episode so that folks can find your Instagram and we'll list your address again and, and any other information that you'd like people to have access to, we'd love to include. And again, I know we've said it however many times already, but thank you all so much for spending your time and energy and mental capacity at the end of a workday to spend a little bit of time with us and and share about all the important work that you're doing now and all that's to come in the future. And here's to the future. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for being here. To see highlights from this conversation and more, visit the 100 Creatives website at www.100cameras.org backslash podcast. Until soon. Thank you.